to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, 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 people, New York City and worldwide, welcome back to another episode of the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy, baby. Giving you that fresh butter chicken each and every week. What's up, Juice? How you doing, my man? Good, Sherrod. What's going on with you? Man, I am loving life. Life is good. That's how I am living. Good, man. I'm glad you're happy today. I'm always... Am I Am I ever sad? I mean, you, have your, you have your days. Every, every, every dog has his day, right? That's what Rackstar said a couple of weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. But he's, he meant it in a good way. In a good way, yeah. So I, you mean yeah, it in a good I, way? I, I mean, you know, everyone goes through their ups and downs. Sometimes they're dealing with things and, you know, they have a bad day. But you're feeling good today? I like it. I like yeah. the energy. Absolutely, man. I, I always like to kind of have positive energy everywhere I go. Love that. Yeah, man. So today uh, is a little bit different because... I feel like I wanted to tell you something about your style and your swag. I please tell me. I think, and, and uh, this, this is a fact on fact. I'm not trying to gas you up in any way, but I feel of all my friends, you are probably one of the most fashion-forward people that I know. Oh, thank you, Sherrod. That's a that's a very kind compliment. It's a hundred percent true. In fact, you know that I don't really know how to dress well, and I I kind of have to lean on you when it comes to sneakers and uh, jeans and hoodies. That's your forte. I'm unstoppable. Okay. But I feel like when it's past that sort of, when we're outside of that space, I'm a little, I'm a little not so cool when it comes to it. Do you, do you agree with that or disagree? Uh, I mean, I, I think generally speaking from uh, being your friend for so many years, you're mm-hmm. a pretty confident guy. So, Absolutely. So, you know, you could pull off whatever you're rocking and you're, you're confident when you're rocking it. So, I, but if you're telling me that, Sometimes you're not all there. And Put you know, together, yeah, fashion forward. Then, you know, yes, I, that's I, not me. I think I think all of us could kind of relate to that a little bit, um, and we look for inspiration. You know, I feel that when it comes to like formal wear, formal wear. That's I, that's my strength personally. That's what you're saying. I think formal wear, good casual, being out, switching up sneaker game to loafer game, switching up from regular sporty socks to more funky socks, uh, having different style of pants, different funky colored shirts. Amazing blazers, pocket squares, the whole nine yards. Uh, I feel like I lack. And anytime I have to go formal, it's just a black suit and I'm good. Mm. But there's this look, my regular day-to-day, and then black suit and nothing in between. Right. And I feel with you, no matter what the occasion, you can sort of bring bring something to the table. So I mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, when I put a suit on, I feel like uh, I'm putting on a suit of armor. And it gives me this sense of confidence wherever I go. And... Uh, I don't just pick up any suit and do that. I have to do my research and I have to look and, and really see pictures and images and study what people are wearing and what's trending and things like that to take bits and pieces from all these different sources and make my own style out of it. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, I will say, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but my friends will come to me from time to time to, hey, does this pocket square go with this tie? And what socks should I wear? And sh- how should I get my pants hemmed? And things like that. So, <laughs> Is that an awkward conversation to have with someone? Not really. Oh, their pants. I mean, you're a DJ, so what do you know about pants? Yeah, no, nah, not really. I, I think it's flattering when they come to me and ask me for their, my input. But uh, 
but yeah, it's something that I enjoy. Like I said, it's it's it's. I feel like a knight. I feel like a knight in armor. Knight in shining armor, huh? Yeah. So speaking of fashion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've I've been a big proponent of one uh, daisies in this country. Okay, uh, daisies from overseas, uh, and I've been a big big sort of supporter of fashion, art, and music colliding. And I've and I've told you, and I've, I tell our listeners that. When we can all get together as a unit instead of splitting it up and saying, well, mm-hmm. the music space is for those guys and art is for those guys and fashion is for those guys. If we start putting everything together and really helping one another and, and helping work with one another, we can all grow our community. And that's kind of been my sentiment sentiment and my thought process lately. And mm-hmm. I know you sort of agree with that as well. I totally agree with that. And, and you're seeing that now more so how everything is kind of organically coming together. And you can uh, sit with a fashion person and talk about music and talk about food and values. And you can sit with a, a person who's in the music industry and talk about, well, what inspired you to wear those sneakers today? So I think that you're uh, spot on with what you're saying and I and, uh, couldn't agree with you more. And I think just to kind of further the conversation, I'd like to bring in someone today that is 100% fashion forward, completely breaking barriers in every aspect when we talk of the word culture, when we talk of pushing culture forward, when we talk about representing for the South Asian community on a global level and doing it through fashion, there's one guy that comes to my mind that I really think would make an impact in conversation with us. And that is our guest today, Mr. Yash Dongre. Give him a big round of applause, please. What's up, Yash? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for inviting me on your butter chicken podcast. My mouth's already watering thinking about the butter chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, Yash. Well, just know Great that we will never serve butter chicken pot uh, at our podcast. Because I think we'll be burping Throughout the podcast. That, that's definitely one reason. What's another reason, Sharad? Because uh, there's no butter chicken here. <laughs> no, you can't bring food in the studio, man. Uh, except if it's water. Uh, yes, water, and you keep it far away from, from everything. <laughs> Absolutely. But maybe afterwards we can go and grab some butter chicken. I like that idea. Sounds good. So we're going to dive right into conversation today. Um, one, thank you for joining us. And thank you for the amazing introduction. I mean, I've just started out my career, so that was a very generous introduction. But I hope I can live up to that. Well, you just started your career, but uh, I believe your family is very, very deep-rooted in the fashion space. That's correct. Yeah, so Yash, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history, where you come from, and and your upbringing, and just kind of dive into that a bit. So I'm a a Bombay boy, born brought up. I I still like to call it Bombay and not Mumbai. I was just about to say, why not Mumbai? (laughs) I mean... Nothing, not that I have anything against Mumbai, but I think Bombay was the original name and I think it's way cooler. Mm. And I know most people that I know who are real Mumbaiites still call it Bombay. So <laughs> I still call it Bombay too as well. I will never so, call it Me too. I, and I find myself correcting myself just to be kind of uh, correct, right? But, uh, but it, to me, it's Bombay. But continue, please. So I grew up in Bombay. I did uh, my, uh, my middle school, high school. I even did my undergrad in Bombay. Mm-hmm. The the only part of my education that I did overseas was my master's, uh, which I uh, which I did a program in Boston a couple okay. of years ago. Otherwise, most of my life brought up in Bombay. And uh, my uh, my my mom started this business um, back in '99. Just for the listener, a lot of the listeners might not know um, what business that is, but I'm I'm pretty familiar with the business. Tell us, tell us. 
who your mother is and what she brought to the table. So my mother is uh, Anita Dongre. She's a fashion designer, again, born, brought up in Mumbai. Um, she's, uh, she, I mean, as far as she was in, uh, as far as back as high school, she knew that she wanted to be a fashion designer. She studied fashion design. Uh, she taught fashion design in the same college that she got a degree at, which is SNDT in Mumbai for mm-hmm. a couple of years. And um, and then in the early 90s, she set up um, uh, her first sort of attempt to, um, to, to, to sort of building a business where she set up a small little unit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, she actually started from her garage. With, did did with, she have any like background in business or is this is something? Not at all. I mean, idea. she comes from a, she, uh, a Sindhi family. Okay. So Sindhis ah, are... Uh, Sindhi. <laughs> uh, so her maiden name is Savlani. Okay. Um, <laughs> For those who don't know, Sharad is Sindhi. And, Great. Uh, and we, we always talk about uh, specific Sorry, you char- say Cindy, I get excited. <laughs> I did not know that. We talk so. about specific characteristics of, of every sub-race within the Indian race. Um, so I'm a mix. I'm a Cindy and a Maharashtrian. Okay. Okay. Uh, so like you guys know, Cindy's are known to have strong business acumen. That's for sure. And her father uh, was a businessman. Okay. Um, but obviously her, her father and uh, uh, her mother, my nani nana, came in during the partition from Sindh in Pakistan. So at that time, it was a very hard time. They literally left everything behind and they literally came to India and started from scratch. Mm. But he managed to build a decent business. He was in the textile business. He managed to raise his kids, uh, give them a comfortable life. So, you know, a great inspiration. And my mother really, really takes a lot of inspiration from her father. And I guess she has the natural business gene. Yeah. So I don't think it was a big challenge for her to 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 turn into an entrepreneur okay. and get into her own um, set up her own shop. So she started literally from a garage with two two sewing machines. And um, so actually, something that I didn't mention earlier, she and her younger sister started this together. Okay. So her younger sister Mina and her have sort of been best friends, business partners. They're I think the closest in the family, both of them, and. And they started this business together and they started a small um, unit in a, in a garage and they started sort of supplying to these um, multi-brand stores in Mumbai. They were and just it was a, their designs? Their designs. And there okay. were just a handful of stores in Mumbai at that time running the whole, um, uh, running the whole uh, industry. Is this bridal wear specifically? This was uh, not... I mean, there was a lot of bridal wear, but they started off more with, um, with ready-to-wear uh, Western wear. You know, So they were Got doing... So she, actually, that's the thing. My mom, uh, unlike her contemporaries, uh, she didn't get into traditional wear from the beginning, but she wanted to do more contemporary wear and she wanted to do more Western wear. So um, the first uh, brand that she started uh, in 99 was called And, A-N-D, mm. which was the first uh, Indian-born uh, Western wear brand. Because at that time in the 90s, India was just opening up to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, there was a lot of um, foreign investment coming in. Uh, the economy was sort of booming. India was otherwise before the 90s a very closed economy. So right. the 90s uh, is when it really started opening up. And that's when people started getting exposed to uh, the Western uh, way of life. You know, so, so the Western way of dressing, res- mm-hmm. the Western way of eating, the sure. Western way of, um, you know, whatever. So she... Uh, How old are you at this time when she opens up this business? Uh, so when she opened up this business, I was, um, I think, uh, nine. Okay. So you're fairly young. So you're, you're kind of absorbing it. From yeah. Age. So, um, so I'm actually, I'm 27 today. So happy birthday. Today's birthday? birthday? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I, my birthday is, uh, next month, actually on the 28th of May. Oh, so, amazing. Uh, two months from now, actually. So, um, 
so she started this back in 99 this company and uh, and so that was so she was a pioneer in actually uh, bringing western wear clothing to india and to the indian wardrobe during a transitionally period to during a transition period so yeah. at that time you know most women I mean, there were a lot of women working in india at that time as well mm-hmm. but they were you know still dressing traditional wearing their salwar kameez wearing sarees not that i'm against indian way of dressing sure. it's great but um, you know that whole corporate wardrobe culture had not yet come into the indian women's wardrobe understood wow, so she set up this yeah. uh, she set up this brand in 99 called and where she started doing um, straight cut trousers she started doing blazers for women wow short dresses and this was really innovative at that time there was no one else doing it mm-hmm. and there were no international brands uh, in india selling it because they didn't see a market for it there so, was just no yeah, market india yeah. was just opening up at that time right so um, i mean today you have you know every brand in sure. india you know you have i figure with a billion people there's a market for everything right yeah I, it really I, i i just think that the the culture you know is is such that they accept certain things at certain times so the timing is everything yeah. with, with i mean even india, today you have a 1.2 billion people in india but uh, i think over 800 million are still rural indians right you know so but there's such so you can imagine the size of the market every year people from rural india are coming into the mainstream uh, urban uh as you say urban mm-hmm. uh, city and urban um, lifestyle and and then that's when the market just expands 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 so the market right. potential in india is huge right. so is it ever expand even to this day is it even continue? today i mean i think india has not even reached uh 50% of its potential you know i think in the next 10 to 15 years i would say india's golden period wow i think that's when that's india's really going to arrive india's going to um take us to a place in the world it's going to be it's already in the top uh 10 economies i think uh so two- from your perspective do you see that like the rich are getting richer and the poor are remaining poor or do you see this emerging middle class i think in a uh in a sort of uh capital environment like ours mm-hmm. um that 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 uh, uh that always uh that whole uh, divide always uh it, it's always present you know it's very difficult to that disparity will always be there and mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get rid of it because when a economy is moving uh, you know big businesses uh, big um, i mean wealthy business people the, the business class of the country will always grow and accelerate at a much faster pace than um, i would say the middle class sure. or, or the other rural class you know and that's it's sad mm-hmm. i mean there should definitely um, be a much more parity in the world than there is today sure uh, but i think that's one of the downsides of uh, the whole economic system in our world today right but but having said that i think um, india is something where in india the story where um, you know it it it's surprising how india uh gets through the way it does but uh some way or the other we end up getting out of our troubles and and doing well you know right things uh, just work themselves things out things just work themselves out in right. yeah it's so, like so, a, so your so your mom's brand is a testament to that right it started in a garage exactly so, so what, what happened and i think the entrepreneurial spirit in the indians is very strong yes and uh, you know come what may they make sure that uh, they achieve their uh, goals they achieve their dreams they they get to where they want uh, in life they're very ambitious people um and i think when that economic when that golden era does hit india i think uh, a lot of our problems such as poverty disparity i think all these things will automatically resolve uh, resolve, resolve yeah. themselves you know when more and more people start getting jobs when the income uh, uh when when sort of the uh, income equality increases when uh, you know even today i mean the disposable income in indians uh, in in the indian 
bank account is just growing and growing every year mm. you know so today people are spending money on travel on clothes i think indians are one of the uh, i think biggest uh, tourism uh, i mean i mean indians are one of the biggest tourism source for other countries you know i mean they're traveling all over you know, whether it's europe whether it's the us whether it's right. southeast asia i think and, indians and are and fashion in general like fashion is booming in india um and that's kind of what uh Anita Dongre Designs has done right coming from the mid the late 90s till now you guys have kind of placed yourselves in this position of greatness is 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 that an accurate statement? No well, that's accurate because like I said when we opened in 99 mm-hmm. um uh it, I mean we won't show I mean I remember my my mother was very nervous and her sister was very nervous and at that time her younger brother too joined the business okay. so today so actually three of them um, so they all started this from doing they all things. started this and it's great because they're a great team because they all three have their um, sort of expertise you know, are they all still together today in the they're also together so my mother is the creative uh, genius behind the company hence and the name hence the name and she's also i would say the one uh, she's also the visionary of the company so she okay. really sets the goals she's like this is what i want to do this is how big i want the company to grow wow uh, this is where i want to be in the next 10 years so she has that very very ambitious drive with in her you know which is i think what's uh, led to the company growing uh, so quickly over the years and achieving what we have over the years it's been her determination her drive and her vision most importantly got it and then the, the team between and her then, sister and, and then and my my mom's younger brother my uncle is um uh has a very sharp uh, financial brain he's great with numbers he's great with management skills so you know he takes care of that part of the business which is very important so they all have their unique my roles, mother's sister is um very good again uh, she's a great business mind she's she's very good at understanding the technicalities of uh, fabrics and and so she looks after all the fabric buying of the company details she, she also is a fashion designer by uh, uh by uh, by education so she's uh, she has a degree in fashion design as well so even she has got a very great aesthetic so she and my mother sort of worked together in um in 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 giving life to all the new collections and and giving the creative guidance to the teams because now of course we have big design teams but but right. they all need uh, a lot of uh, supervision and they all need to be given the correct guidance so i think that i think my mother and her sister make a good team uh, in managing that and what's your educational background is it in fashion as well or no so my education background uh, is uh, management okay. so in undergrad i studied uh, business management i mastered in marketing okay it was a general marketing program um, and uh, but i you know i have a great i think i've inherited a great aesthetic sense from my mother mm-hmm. uh, so you know i can uh i mean if you show me um a bunch of sketches or if you show me a collection i could give you a good critique on it's kind on, of on what will work what will not work but i don't really uh, sketch myself sure. or design myself but it's ing- ingrained in your dna i think so and yeah. uh, and i think the marketing the business side of things is equally important sure. you know absolutely so, uh, you can always have even once my mother retires uh, you know you can always have strong creative people uh, running the creative side of things but uh, in terms of uh just business development uh business management i think in the in the fashion business one of the most important uh um departments and functions uh, apart from obviously the designing is is the marketing totally you know, brand building marketing i mean today uh, if you if you want your brand to be aspirational if you want your brand to be known you really have to have a very sharp marketing brain sure. you know because and the competition is just so crazy out there right and you mentioned that um you did your undergrad in india is that correct in india and then you in came Mumbai. to america for and then in 2014 i came to america i uh, i did a masters program at halt business school in boston okay 
Uh, it was a marketing program. Tell me uh, about your experience, like with that transition from. I, I'm sure you visited the states before, but actually living here, like, how was that? Was that that was great? Shocking? When, when I when I came and I saw always because I had a lot of friends um, uh, who who came uh, uh, who came abroad uh, to study during the undergrad. Mm-hmm. So I saw always travel, whether it was London, whether it was to New York, whether it was to Boston, to visit them, spend time with them. So I always had that exposure, mm-hmm. but I think uh, once I actually moved here and I and I spent a year and a half in the U.S., I really wish I'd done it earlier because I think the way uh, living by yourself, uh, the sort of responsibility that, inst- that 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 gets instilled in you, and and you really, I think that's when you really mature as a person, and that's right. when you grow up from being a kid to an adult, you know, really like, fast when you. Yeah. <laughs> When you have those experiences and when you're on your own, doing your own thing, you're yeah. responsible for yourself. I mean, you or, have no choice at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, that's, uh, that's but it's kind of liberating too, right? To it's great. And also, space, you know, it's, it's exposing yourself to different cultures and different people. So when I was in college, I had friends from, I think, about 50 nationalities. Mm. So today I have like close friends um, in Italy, in Morocco, in, in Colombia, in, in China. I mean, it's crazy, you know. So I'm sure can, in Boston you met a lot of Arabs too. Yeah, you know, I had some friends from Lebanon, yeah, from uh, you know, so from Turkey. So it's amazing. It's just that kind of exposure and uh, and widening your social circle and widening your and you know the, and these friends you make for life, right? So sure. you know, tomorrow uh, if if I'm traveling somewhere, I most likely will have a friend in that city. You know? so, yeah, of course, that's <laughs> it's amazing. amazing. So from all your travels and and your education and uh, kind of bringing things back to New York now, do you? F- a lot of people say that New York is one of the fashion epicenters of the world. Yeah. Would you agree with that statement? Um, I totally agree because, um, uh, you know, just it's, you know, I, I always tell people like, if you've already experienced New York, you should use the New York uh, subway system. You know, when you're in that train, there's people, this, you, know, you observe everyone in that train, you know, you, you literally see it's a, it's a melting pot of culture. Yeah. You'll see people from all corners of the world all walks of life so and that's sort of the testament of the city right it's it's a place where uh, it's it, you know it's doors are open to anyone and everyone mm-hmm. and uh, and i think uh something that i've noticed in new york that I, you know i don't think a lot of cities can take pride in is uh, everyone is respectful of everyone so nobody you know everyone lives together uh, everyone um, gels together mm-hmm. no one is judging you on your race color religion and it's, I think, one, almost like one big happy family in the yeah. city. <laughs> but I will say this, that we have a hint of arrogance at being a New Yorker. Like when we go elsewhere, like people ask us, where from? we're from New York. And we, we know our heads are high and proud. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of people say like, you know, New Yorkers are so busy in their own lives that they're literally walking with blinkers on mm-hmm. and, and sometimes <laughs> can be, uh, um, I wouldn't say rude or arrogant but uh, I think everyone's so involved in this their whole lives that maybe that's that's one of the advantages that no one's getting in your way yeah because sometimes when people have a lot of free when people have a lot of free time Mm. they're always poking your nose in in other people's business but you're everyone's busy doing living their lives no one's getting in in your way so and and we can spot a tourist definitely (laughs) so that's a good point and a bad point (laughs) (laughs) so you you are now here but at what point after school or after getting your education Obviously, at that point, your mom had built a fantastic business with her siblings. At what point do you say, hey, I want to not work anywhere, but I want to join the family business and kind of pave my own lane? When, when does that happen? Or do you get in the business in India first, or is now you being here the start of it? 
so growing up uh, you know when i was in middle school high school both uh, my parents were professionals uh, they were running their own businesses so they were always very busy mm-hmm. uh, not that they did not have time for me i mean i had a great upbringing but uh, they were always uh, very very busy and uh, and i gr- i spent a lot of time uh, growing up at my grandmother's house okay so on your uh, mom's side on my dad's side yeah okay so your marathi side my marathi side okay. yeah but unfortunately i still didn't uh, pick up too much of marathi even <laughs> okay. though i speak marathi now right, right, right. i think growing up in in a multicultural background when one parent is hindi one parent is marathi they are end up speaking to you in english you know <laughs> got it so we could have learned both the languages you end up learning none <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway so um, they were, they were you know great parents they never pressured me because you know otherwise it's always a cliche where tip, indian families are always pressuring you that we got to do this you got to do that you got you have to join the family business mm. you have no option <laughs> uh you know so they were never with, like that with me they were always very very liberal and made me give me the freedom to make my own choices whether it was uh what i wanted to study or what i eventually wanted to take up as a career but what's interesting is i i also grown up uh around my mother's business because um right from the time she started uh, so in 99 uh when she set up the company that it is today was she was always named as and well it went from and to so it actually in in the early 90s uh when she ran uh, a different business supplying to these multi brand stores the 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 company was called mask okay m a s k m a s i think it was m a s q u e if okay. i'm not mistaken so i think it was because uh, my my mother's sister name is meena mm-hmm. and so the m and the uh, a from anita mm-hmm. and uh, so they someone just coined the term mask <laughs> got it so uh, and and then in 99 they they set up the company and they named it and designs uh, india limited okay because the first brand was called and andy okay um so and that's and, and when they set that company up they were literally working out of uh, it was it was almost like a slum okay so it was a place called um, sastrinagar in santa cruz and i remember my mom had a small little cabin in this kind of like a hut type structure and literally outside her cabin window there was a a cow shed you know wow. so um, you know where they um, uh, it's called a tabela in in india yeah. so we literally had these big cows and buffaloes like uh, literally sitting right outside her office cabin window so, so it wasn't it was so humbling you know it wasn't as pretty pretty <laughs> as it is now as we see yeah, and, and it's amazing in, in that environment i mean she was so passionate about her work that nothing bothered her you know she used to walk into that place every morning it used to be stinking it was noisy it was uh, hot but she was so focused on her work that uh, nothing bothered her and obviously from there in a couple of years they graduated to a little better office and then a better office and then a better office and then uh, about 4 years ago we moved to our own um, because it was always a dream to to build our own building right because they always worked out of rented spaces mm-hmm. so we bought a 2 acre property uh, in new bombay which is about an hour outside bombay uh, we built our own facility it's a 100000 square feet uh, facility and wow. that's sort of where we work out of today and that's where our company is headquartered so you went from literally working in a garage to uh, working in now in a 100000 square feet uh, green building as we call All it green. so it's a sustainable eco-friendly wow. uh, building so so so, so wh- where do you get in the mix and say all right i'm going to I'm going to join this business. So yeah, so, so I've been growing it. up in the business. I've been attending, I've been sort of visiting the offices when she was in that small little slum. I've been visiting the offices all over the, all over the city whenever they moved, growing up around the business. And then eventually when I uh, graduated high school and I and I started college, um 
so you know when you're studying in mumbai you have a lot of free time because uh, it's not like you're bogged down by classes and 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 and, and why do you not have to go over there like is it different than here i don't know i mean you know and I, i was never uh, i mean i was i was i was good at uh, i mean i was i was a smart kid but i was my 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 focus was never in so much into studying you know so i was always a very very mediocre student when it Sounds came to familiar like in my <laughs> results so easily distracted uh difficult to focus on uh, and i hated i was i was i hated subjects like economics math i was not a numbers person so i had a couple of this like a couple of these uh, i would say s- academic disabilities <laughs> when mm-hmm. it came to my focus on studies mm-hmm. so during during the college days i said instead of sort of just wasting time and, and partying and and just whiling away time mm-hmm. uh, my mother said why don't you come and work part time at the office you know so you, you you do your classes a couple of hours a day and then a couple of hours come and spend at the office so i started doing that from the time i was 18 so from 18 till about 24 like actually left for the states just mm-hmm. to uh, to do my master that i've been uh, working part time at uh, the company and doing my degree simultaneously and um, and then of course i've squeezed in a few internships as well in the middle i did a couple of months i worked with reliance okay. with the retail division which is great because you know when you're in a family business um you always looked upon as a certain way Sure. By the employees, you know, you're always like uh, the boss's kid. You know, he's an entitled. Right. But you are 100% <laughs> entitled. You could do whatever you want. But what so I said it's important at. to work uh, in a neutral environment, and that was great experience. You know, because that just showed me um, how company, how big companies are run, what the work culture is, what the work ethic is, what the systems are, what the processes are. Because Reliance was and is the is the largest Massive, company yeah. in, in the country right now. So it's just amazing to witness uh, the systems and processes that they have in place. Uh, it's a so great learning. So were you able to take some of that knowledge and bring it back to home base Definitely. and say, "Hey, and I got both. I got some uh, good feedback, I got some negative feedback which I said shouldn't ever be a part of my company if, if I just throw the company, you know. Give so me give me a gem, tell me something that that's like I just feel just from a from a sort of a cultural point of view, you know, because I think sometimes when you're in a very big company, mm-hmm. it's a very hierarchical culture. Mhm. So everyone's trying to uh, please the higher up, you and know. Climb the ladder, so, and and everyone's and then, I think then that sense of empathy and passion is missing, and and uh, and everyone. So a lot of worker bees just doing their job. A lot of worker bees, uh, you know. People are there's a lot of hostility, mm. I think, in the air. Uh, instead of people being supportive and having uh, sort of a team spirit, it's it's just more like empowering uh, the workers. It's like you know, let me do my thing and. Right, stay out that, of, that separation, uh, that gap. Stay out there. of my work, sort of a thing. So, <clears throat> but you know, these things develop in big companies. Sometimes, you know, it just it it creeps in, mm, and right. it's it's very difficult to change that culture. Yeah, but I think if you set the right groundwork from the beginning, I mm. think you can uh, you can avoid that from happening in the future. So, did you kind of bring that to your family and say, "Hey, these are some"? I definitely gave them that feedback, and and what's great about our company is um, uh, the family is still very much involved. Right. And at the same time uh we have a whole set of senior professional um executives also on board you know so i've seen a lot of family businesses in india where the family just want to keep all the control and they're very uh they shy away from delegating and giving other people uh, authority and power and it's it's very like uh, if it's a family business everything should be under our control and tightly run 
and sometimes i think employees don't appreciate that because sometimes especially in today's day and age uh, with with sort of the millennials getting to the workspace people want their own independence their own um um they want right to making decisions uh, being a part of the the larger picture and not just being able to told you know do your job and and don't say a word sort of a thing so uh, so i think my my family has always been uh, very uh, respectful of uh, of the employees and have have encouraged that work culture of being open and we run a very flat organization so it's not very um, top up or you know top driven it's mm. very flat everyone has a voice anyone can walk into my mother's cabin or my uncle's cabin or my aunt's cabin and and is the cabin the office uh yeah okay. the office yeah mm. is that an indian t- that's what they say in india or uh, that's just i yeah. think it's an indian term i think <laughs> so yeah. yeah i missed i must have completely missed that over the last 30 plus years of my life so okay. yeah. uh, so you know they can walk into their rooms and any time no appointment necessary yeah, and, and all our, and all the rooms in the offices uh, we actually tend not to we, uh, for us i think we wanted to feel that culture of everyone works together on the floor right okay shouldn't give too many rooms to people you know uh, but even like my mom's room or my uncle's room it's it's totally glass <laughs> totally transparent so uh, you know there's uh, it's a very open culture That's amazing. How did how was that developed? Was that something you brought to the table, or was it just something that the team? That's something I think was there from the beginning. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. That's very forward, very progressive. Yeah, yeah. So and I think especially being, for India and being humble also is very important. You know, so I think they've always been very humble with everyone. Never really thrown out, thrown any attitude. Or, has has being nice? Uh, it seems like just being humble and being nice go hand in hand. Has being that way. Uh, hurt them any in any way or hurt the family business anyway have people try to take advantage or take the niceness or humbleness as a weakness in any situations um i don't think so i think uh, i think what was important and what we realized is when you're you know so we we really build the business from scratch right so when you're a small company with 50 employees or 100 employees it's very easy to um keep everyone happy but the minute you become like today we employ um Almost three and a half thousand people wow. across India. So we have about nine people, nine hundred people in the head office in Mumbai, and then we have all our sales executives across all the stores, and then we have regional managers and regional um, training uh, uh, staff and uh, so and, and operations people spread across India. So it's almost three and a half thousand people. Uh, so when the company grows to that size, a lot of the older employees who once had um, uh say a direct link to the promoter or to my family now has someone in the middle sure. because we have the senior <coughs> management in place so i guess sometimes those people get a bit uh miff saying you know 5 uh, years ago i could have uh you know i was reporting to anita herself right. or my uncle mukesh himself but today i have another guy in the middle and but then that's something that you have to teach people to to tolerate and accept because when a company grows big you have to have professionals come in and and and, and i think my family even though they've done such a great job bringing the company to this stage they themselves are all self-made entrepreneurs they never worked in big corporate companies so, yeah. so it's important to bring people from those companies to to help take this company to the next level right. and bring in those ideas and those thought processes and those systems yeah. because it's all about systems and processes right we, right. we use the word uh turn the corner the words turn the corner quite a bit in like right. in this journey of entrepreneurship it always starts with the visionary right and then it goes 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 and then at some point that visionary has a deeper vision or a, a vision right. to take the company further so the only way to do that is by turning the corner and in doing so 
sometimes you have to implement people that everyone might not see as beneficial at that particular moment. But if the company continues to grow and sustain and do great things, then ultimately it becomes worth it. And the people that share that vision will sort of adopt that policy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think when you're an entrepreneur and, you, and you're working hard at something, you, you gradually and naturally and organically reach uh, a size where, okay, you were a small company and then you became a medium-sized company. That happens organically. Mm-hmm. But then to take it from a medium-sized company to a large-sized company is the biggest challenge, you know, because mm-hmm. that's when you really need a lot of processes, systems, uh, expertise, uh, investment, and, and I think that's where we are right now. We're so a medium-sized now, now, company. Now you're a global fashion brand, though. Right? We are in works to be a global fashion brand. I, I mean, mean, this is our first foray into the U.S. You're right? sitting here in my nice. New York City yeah. studio, and you're about to open up something over here in the States. Is that right? That's correct. So... Before we get there, just to tell the listeners, tell us the names of all the brands that you guys currently own. Okay, so we currently own uh, and operate four brands. Uh, okay. We started off with the brand And. Right, is And still ex- And still existence. very much exists. Okay. Um, it's one of our largest brands in the portfolio. Okay. We have about 150 stores uh, for And. And uh, it's a high street western wear brand. It competes with the likes of Azara, H&M, and H&M, Mango. Okay. And, uh, you know, very well affordably priced, uh, fast fashion, everyday fashion. Uh, and then the second brand that we started was, is called Global Desi. Ooh, uh, I love it. Global love Desi that. is, again, a, a fast fashion brand. Men's and women's? Only women's. Only women's. So, and yeah. is also only women's. Okay. Um, again, fast fashion, um, you know, uh, well-priced. Uh, but For the, those not from the fashion world, what does fast fashion mean? I think the word fast fashion is uh, fashion that is updated on a weekly basis. So you walk into the store, you may have a new... St- and, you, and you walk into the store this week, or you walk into the store next week, and you'll see there'll be fresh tiles on the floor. So you're continually... You're continually replenishing, uh, replenishing uh, continually uh, introducing new product lines. Uh, right. And and because the volumes are large, so those right. tiles are moving every week also at a really quick pace, which and is why we can in today's, replenish In today's it, climate, uh, that's probably really well received exactly. by the consumer. Because uh, people, uh, you know, whenever people walk into your store, they want to see something new. Sure. You know, so, um, so I think that's what you call it. And also fast fashion is obviously affordable fashion. So sure. it's not expensive. It's something that you can walk out of the store with a bunch of things that won't really make a big hole into your, in your pocket. Okay. So, so Zara is a fast fashion company. H&M is a fast fashion company. Uniqlo is a fast fashion company. These are some examples. So, um, so Global DC, again, is um, a modern... Uh, I call it a fusion brand because it's it's Western, uh, but it also has a desi touch to it, an Indian touch to it. So a lot of bright prints, uh, a lot of bright colors. Uh, a couple of the styles that we have in Global Desi are, are Indian. So we do a lot of kurtis. Uh, we do, um, uh, you know, then, then we have uh, all the usual categories. We do a lot of dresses. We do a lot of fun tops. We do... Uh, fun accessories, bags, shoes, you know, so it's, it's a very vibrant brand. So is Global Desi sold only in Global Desi stores or is that in other doors as well? So Anne and Global Desi both are sold from their own stores. They're okay. sold from all the major department stores okay. in India and okay. they're also sold online. Got it. So your distribution channels are thorough. You're, yeah, you're distributing so on every we, angle. We, ha- we work with multi-brand outlets. We work with our, we have our own stores, of course. We work, we have our own website and we work with partner websites um, 
such as uh, Flipkart, Mintra, Jabong. These are all leading uh, e-commerce websites in India. Understood. Amazon. So, um, so this is uh, what Anand Global Day is about. And then, uh, so what's interesting in in my mom's case is that most designers, and if you look at even the European fashion houses, will always start with uh, offering a couture product mm-hmm. and a very high-end product, and then they will so maybe go into uh, more affordable. Uh, fashion. We actually started the other way around. We got into this fast fashion and affordable fashion, and then we opened uh, and and then we set up a couture brand, which is a which is a much harder route to take. Yeah, because because uh, you're you know, <coughs> almost like pigeonholed yourself into it, or you've stigmatized yourself into. Yeah, things. you're stigmatized. You, uh, you're stigmatized yourself that uh, okay, you're, you know, you're uh, uh, you're an everyday brand, affordable brand. Right. So what are you doing I, in this space now? And then now suddenly you're trying to charge thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars for your bridal right. outfit. So why should we buy you? You know. Right. right. But I think we did a great job in pulling that off. Uh, What's I the name of that brand? The so that, that's Anita Dongri. That's her brand. Okay, that's got her it. signature brand. Okay. And in a very short period of time, uh, I, I think. That brand was started in two thousand and eight. Wow! So in just a um, period of about ten years, we've uh, less than ten years, we've uh, uh, we've now the top three uh, bridal brands in uh, in India. What are the other two? Uh, Manish Malhotra and Sabya Sachi. Mm. Mega. Those are all mega names. Yeah. And there's so, there's so are, so you, are you you're all competitors essentially? We're all competitors essentially. Yeah. Are you fr- are you friendly with them? <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> we all have a, we all, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a good industry. Everyone gets along. That's good. Um, you know, I personally have a lot of respect for Sabya Sachi. I think he's done a great job with his brand and his great product and great aesthetic and and the way he's built his brand over the years has been amazing. And Anita Dongre line has um has had some big celebrities actually wear some of, of their pieces as well recently in Vogue India. Uh, Kylie Jenner. Uh, Kim, so we had we had Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian. Uh, 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 who did a feature with Vogue, mm. and she uh, wore us. Uh, Kate Middleton is a client of ours. Mm. How did how did uh, the Kim Kardashian thing happen? That's that's mega. Kim Kardashian was honestly through Vogue India. Okay, so, so she Vogue was shooting India. for Vogue India, uh-huh. and uh, Vogue India sourced uh, some outfits from us for okay. her, and it was purely a Vogue India collaboration. Does Vogue India tell you, hey, Kim Kardashian's coming through? Give us some of your best stuff, or you just? It just was organic. As far as I recall, I, uh, they did mention that it was uh, it was a shoot with Kim okay. and uh, and Anita Shroff, who's the uh, uh, fashion editor of Vogue, uh, approached us and, uh, and 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 put this whole thing together. Wow. It's amazing to me that just hearing the story of you know your mom and her sister making clothes in a smelly garage, uh, <laughs> surrounded by cows, to Kim Kardashian wearing your stuff in Vogue magazine. Uh, sounds like almost just too good to be true. Like, how did this yeah, happen? It's but amazing. It's, it's it's pretty surreal. Yeah, but, but but really, what it is is it's hard work and dedication. And mm. I'm I'm sure that all those hours that they put in and all those times you turn the corner, yeah. while it might not have been in direct sight, you guys knew something big was gonna keep coming. As good as because it. it's not like my my mother is a second generation business. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. she started from scratch. We've mm-hmm. had very humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've grown up. Uh, with a very middle class upbringing mm-hmm. so, uh, and and then to I think when you grow up from a middle class upbringing and then, then you sort of experience success and wealth and all of this it, it's a very humbling experience and then it, it also re- teaches you that you should always stay rooted 100%. and not let it get to your head and, and not let it uh, change you in any way you know got it so I think so that's you, very you important stay, you say stay rooted is there 
You have another brand called Grassroot, I believe. That's correct. So that was that's the newest baby. It was that's something I really like actually. So Grassroot started about three and a half years ago. And that's ago. the fourth brand. That's the fourth brand. Okay, and that's the fourth and final brand. And I also I is that all, the final? We do have a fine jewelry brand, right. but I always pack that under the Anita Dongre brand. That's it's, the it's a part of it. Yeah, pink. Pink City. Pink City. Pink City. So that's within... Uh, within Anita Dongre. So and now we rebranded and now we call it Anita Dongre Fine Jewelry. I, I kind of like that. So we do a lot of gold, a lot of silver. Okay. Um, okay. And it's very traditional Rajasthani style jewelry. That it's goes well Jadao. with the couture stuff. That goes, it complements the bridal couture stuff very well. But it doesn't have to. So someone could buy that independently and just... Yeah, yeah you can buy it independently. Right. And that's a brand that we've started uh, together with, in a partnership with uh, Jeweler. With a very... Um, uh, big jeweler in Mumbai uh, is, uh, the company is called Jet Gems and a gentleman called Mr. Pradeep Jetani. got it another Sindhi so, another Sindhi so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a JV with uh, Mr. Jetani and, <coughs> and the company so it's, it's doing well it's been the response has been great tell me about Grassroot because that's something that really intrigued me when reading about it and kind of understanding and even speaking to you prior about it so Grassroot is a, is a brand that's the closest to my mother's heart and to, I think to all our hearts and we are all very passionate about it and something that my mother has always wanted to do, but never had the time or the or or the uh, just the resources to pull it off. But now, you know, uh, in the past couple of years, when the business has grown a substantial size, and she's got those resources now, she managed to finally get into what she's really passionate about doing, which is basically sort of uh, preserving Indian um, Indian arts, Indian craft, and Indian and supporting Indian artisans. So today, what's happening is in India. We have so many different art forms and crafts and 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 embroidery techniques and uh, and and you know you have block printing you have mirror work you have uh, these amazing amazing um, uh, techniques that are I I think uh, in the next couple of years are on the verge of extinction because now the next generation are not taking up what their parents are practicing all these years you know because now they're moving into the cities they want to take up city jobs they. They don't think it's worth uh, sitting at home and uh, embroidering uh, a lenga or, or or embroidering a, um, a garment. You know, they think that that's not something that can get them the livelihood that they aspire to have. Sure. <laughs> Which is true to a sense because what happens is all these artisans um, work really hard. They give a lot of their time, their energy, and they don't get paid the the right value, you know, because they're most likely dealing with middlemen or handicraft traders who really give pay them uh, close to nothing yeah. and then really hike up these prices and then go sell people visiting from New York to Mumbai. <laughs> there was a big thing with H&M and, and that recently, how <laughs> artists just weren't getting paid their fair value for uh, yeah, you know, so these, you know, so like art. I was saying, you know, like American tourists visiting India or European tourists visiting India, they buy these handicrafts for hundreds of dollars, right. and barely any of that money is actually gone to the artisan who created that piece. You know, so what what is grassroots do that's so different? So what grassroots is doing is we're actually trying to empower these artisan communities and and working with them directly. And, and are they from Mumbai or all over India? All over India. So we work with uh, so we work with a large organization called Seva in Gujarat. Okay. Which, which employs almost 10,000 women. Okay. Uh, we work with communities in Rajasthan. We work with communities in Maharashtra. We work with communities in Uttar Pradesh. So what we do is we have different models. So we, um, the easy model for us is we identify communities that already have an NGO supporting them. Okay. So the infrastructure is all in place. All we have to do is go there, give them the work, uh, and uh, and that's it. And, you know, it, it's a very easy 
a model uh, because uh, the NGOs are already giving them the support, giving them the required resources, giving them the, uh, if they need machines, if they need paint, if they need thread, if they need, uh, you know, uh, whatever they need, they get because the NGO is supporting with them. But in certain communities uh, where there's a lot of talent, but they don't have the infrastructure or the resources. Or the resources. <coughs> so what we do is when, when we, so we've done this in three villages so far, we actually go set up um, uh, training centers and manufacturing centers. So we set up these centers, we give them all the resources and the infrastructure. We hire the local women uh, from the village. So um, I think between the three centers we've set up, we, we've employed almost 200 women. It's incredible. And, and then we train them. We, uh, we, uh, because, you know, they are talented, but they may, because they've not practiced this over the years, they may not be as refined, you know, so we train them, we, we make sure that they're work ready and then we employ them under the company payroll to work for us and manufacture for us. So they get all the benefits that you get being a company employee, they get fair wages and, and these women were otherwise just sitting at home or maybe working in the, in their farms, uh, or raising their kids, but never really had access to any uh, income. Right. And now they're earning, I think, uh, I think they're earning uh, money that, uh, that, is, that is, I think they're earning more than what their husbands ever made. Wow. And so you can imagine the sense of empowerment that these women... Uh, I think empowerment, I think helping change the mind state of the people in those villages, I think. And a lot of the men in Indian villages, with the money they make, they blow it on booze, or they're <laughs> drunk, or, they're, or, they, or, they, or they spend it away, you know. Mm, right. Uh, I think more so it's like also like preservation of the technique and yeah. the offering, but also the, the culture, the preservation yeah. of that culture, respective to whatever location in India that... Exactly. You know, in certain parts of Kolkata, they might have a specific technique and a specific technique in Gujarat, like you mentioned, with Seva. Yeah. So I think that's that's very, very impactful. So we're doing, we're sort of doing so much uh, good with just this one strategy. So at one end, we're preserving craft. Right. At the other end, we are empowering women. We mm. are giving them the opportunity to earn a livelihood, which gives them independence, which gives them a stronger say in their household, mm. which gives them more respect from the community which will most likely benefit their kids. Right. You know, because I think in, in, in India, the mothers um, uh, focus is always on their kids. And yeah. so most of the time, even if they want to send their kids to school, they can't because they just can't afford it. And, and just a you brief know? snippet for all our listeners. Uh, India traditionally is a very patriarchal society where the men is the, the head of the household, very much That's like correct. the old school uh, mentality here in the West, uh, where the wife would be at home, the caretaker of the home, and raising the children and cooking dinner. That still lives true today in India. And uh, I know that there's been a, been a big emphasis in trying to change that. That's true. And then even in this patriarchal system, where you know, if they're maybe uh, in the household, there are, uh, there's a boy and a girl. Mm. You know, they will send the boy to the school, but not the girl. Because right. The priority is the son, right. and not the daughter. So I think uh, we want to really take steps to change this and, and make sure that the girl has an equal opportunity in the household as does, you know, uh, the, the boy. Yes. Was, that, was that a direct vision of Anita, your mother? That's correct. Uh, so that's something that's been very close to her. With, uh, with, with that, let's clap that up real quick. And uh, we're going to take a little break and come back with more on Grassroot, Anita Dongre Designs, and Yash Dongre. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Mega from Holy Sheep by Mega, and I am listening to the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Jazz Dami. You listen to Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. 
Hey, this is Heems. Shout out DJ Shiraz, shout out DJ Juicy. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast. Yo, this is Rackstar. You can catch me on the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy, and it gets super spicy. What up, it's your boy Siraj, Sneaker Room all day. I'm here on the Butter Chicken Podcast. This is one of the craziest podcasts I've ever done. Listen to me, if you don't know what Butter Chicken is, you better Google that shit. If you don't know who my man DJ Sherrod is, you better Google that dude. If you don't know who my man DJ Juicy is, a.k.a. the Punjabi Fat Man Scoop, you better Google him. We here, man. Butter Chicken Podcast all day. Yo, can I get some Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Yes, we are back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for staying tuned to the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod, myself, DJ Juicy, and our distinguished guest, Yash Dongre. Um, Yash, we left off in, on hearing about um, the Grassroots brand and the other three previous brands before that. Tell us more about Grassroots and, and, and the bridge from India, bringing that to the U.S. here, and, and why you're in New York today. So, um, so you know, with Grassroots, the whole... Uh the idea is to impact as many communities as possible across the country. I think now we're impacting a couple of hundred people. The the the, the eventual goal is to impact millions of people. Oh. And to do that, we we should have that much of work to provide them. You know, so for that, it's and to do that, it's very important that grassroots grows as a brand. You know, because uh, the faster grassroots grows, the more impact we will have on uh, these these communities. So what we realize is um, if you need to build grassroots as a credible brand, I don't think India is the right market to do it in. Because India, I think as the Indian consumer is still extremely price conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we as Indians take this whole artisanal um, <coughs> artisanal um, way of uh, fashion and, and handcrafted clothing for granted because we've grown up around it, you know, and sure. it's very easily available for us. Right. But almost uh, seems like uh, like because it's so accessible, it's like it's not desired. Exactly, it's, yeah. so, it's so accessible, and it's not something that uh, I mean we all appreciate it, but right. uh, it's not something that we're willing to pay a premium for, right. or you know we're willing to uh, buy huge volumes of sure. because at the end of the day, the Indian Indian consumer is still extremely price conscious, right. and I think that still takes some time for for that culture to change. Mm-hmm. So we, we realized that uh, this brand has to be introduced to the Western markets, and which is why we decided to bring it to the U.S. and start in New York. Because I think, um, um, at least in this business, the U.S. is a good 15 years ahead of India, mm-hmm. if not more, in terms of uh, just shopping trends, uh, in, in, in the way consumers behave, in the way consumers buy, purchasing patterns, you know. So today, the U.S. consumer um, is 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 far more uh, far more conscious shopper. Uh, I think uh, you know it, it's the te- uh, I think a testament to that is uh, you must be hearing stories about big big brands in the U.S. shutting down. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I heard recently Ralph Lauren closed down their Fifth Avenue flagship store. You know, brands like Tommy Hilfiger are shutting shop every day, uh, mm-hmm. and big department stores like Macy's are in trouble. You know, so I think. Um, there's a huge change uh, and huge wave hitting the in the fashion industry. And today, if a brand has to survive, they can't just uh, um, rely on uh, on on fancy brand logos or or expensive price points or really fine material. It has to be much more than that. It's right. a more deeper connect between the brand and the consumer. Right. And I think today it's all it's all uh, uh, it's all transforming into ex- experiential uh, shopping. So when someone enters the store, 
they're not only looking to pick up a garment but they want to connect to the brand in many other ways you know right. a more holistic uh, why i'm smiling right? <laughs> they want the story behind it they right. want the story behind it they want to know okay why should i buy this brand over that today if i'm buying a polo t-shirt mm-hmm. why should i buy a ralph lauren polo t-shirt that will cost me maybe 300 bucks mm-hmm. where i can walk into a uniqlo and buy that same quality and that same polo t-shirt for 20 bucks or right. 30 and, bucks and there's know? no logo on it so it's cooler Exactly. And right. today I think people are shunning logos, right? It's it's not cool to to flash logos anymore, yeah. you know. I think it depends on the consumer, but yeah, there's 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 a shift in the trend, yeah. shift in it for sure. It's all about flashing logos, it's about it's about representing uh the brands that are relevant today. So today mm-hmm. if there's a relevant brand today, you'll be more than happy flashing it because you know this brand is uh, is something that you personally relate to. So maybe sure. the brand is doing uh it has a social aspect to it like grassroots which is it's mm-hmm. impacting some community or whether it's something else or whether it's uh, but i think people uh want a more deeper connect i think in general just to what they're wearing and, and what and, they're and, buying and very very true with uh walking into retail and have yeah. an experience beyond just buying product i think that's very, very so important. people you know people get warned us when we decided to come to the us saying, why are you guys opening in the us now the us is going through such a turmoil you know stores are shutting down malls are closing down but uh, my answer to that is i think that's an opportunity entering a market when it's uh, when it's on a when it's on a when it's on a low period because you get uh, great rentals you get better opportunities you know you your 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 costs are lower when the market is low and uh, and you also enter a market when the market is craving for something new right let you me know? ask you something about about opening up shop in new york uh, i'm sure like you said many people told you um you know to not open here or what are you doing or advised you differently um you guys are going ahead you're full steam ahead you're 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 rolling that's correct is are all the brands going to be showcased here and available for purchase within one location or is it just a grassroots play or is it just an and play or an anita dongre designs play like how does how does that work so when we started uh, last year um we always uh, knew that grassroots will be the brand that we will lead with in the US interesting okay. so that is a brand that has the potential to expand to scale up mm-hmm. we could potentially open uh, dozens of grassroots stores across the country we could have a big online business uh, for grassroots the grassroots could sell from the department stores because it's a contemporary brand it's a brand that can appeal to a much wider consumer base uh, and then the anita dongre couture brand which is currently still heavily focused on indian bridal wear mm-hmm. Uh, is also a brand we knew there's a big market for in the US mm-hmm. because there's a huge uh, south asian population uh, there's i can uh, i can confidently say that there's no other mainstream indian designer who has a full uh, presence in the US apart from certain multi brand stores in the suburbs that sell uh, indian designers but there's mm-hmm. no designer that's come in and opened up a a, a company on store and running a full fledged operation yeah hold on that takes that takes a lot of guts and that takes that takes a, a lot of challenges in in the way of that so for that we got to that's <laughs> big you. man Give it a nice that's clap. Big, so, so we're 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 trying to sort of be the torch bearers for that and hoping people follow suit and uh you know our uh, and the rest of the industry also follow suit and and i think once that happens that's when really that's truly when indian fashion will sort of get that global appreciation and and get that uh, and and sort of get that true s- a spot on the global stage got it um because uh, you know otherwise if people don't take those risks and those steps uh, we'll always just be brands uh, making it big in india but no one else in the world will know about us mm-hmm. i feel like there's a parallel between what we do in the music and events world and exactly what you do uh with fashion i think that 
us as Daisies here in New York. Uh, we were sort of the first ones to kick down mainstream doors and sign on big clients, including Adidas, New Balance, exactly. Under Armour, Cadillac, Mercedes. These are all clients in our portfolio. And we were sort of the first in our space to do that. But now that we've done that, we're actually going into other markets within the states. Yes, yeah, so I was I was extremely proud when you told me that you were the one behind this, uh, the Adidas event uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then the one that happened last weekend. And you were the one, uh, one of the key players involved in, in setting that up. And I was, you know, I was saying that if if, if big companies are looking at uh, South Indian Asian American spaces, and South yeah. Asian people to to come yeah. on board at the creative level, I mean, that's amazing, you know. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's a testament to our community. It, it's just it's just a great feeling to know that we're the ones doing it for our community. And we know the bigger picture is, hey, if I knock down this door and if I'm able to sign this client, well, then that enables my partner or people on my team to go work with other clients off of the heels of the work that we've already put in. So similarly, the start of grassroots off of what Anita Dongre built is going to lead you into the next sort of level and help you Again, again, level up to another place where now everyone can follow suit and come to America mm. and not stop at America. I think go global. I mean, at this point, exactly. that's what it's looking like, right? So that that's the plan, and uh, and you know, but again, it's a very very competitive market. It's a very difficult market to to succeed in. So you have to New, take baby New York. You're saying New York and the U.S. in general. Mm-hmm. You have to take baby steps. You have to do it well. You have to, you know, uh, cover. All the you got to cover your ground well. You got to do all your groundwork. You got to you know you don't you don't want to come in and do a shoddy job and sure. then so so that's why we came in last year. We opened up a pop up store on Broom Street. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Uh, we 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 set that up. I think end of June is when we we opened it and we ran it uh, until the end of December. So good six months. And, and that was just grassroots products. <laughs> that was just grassroots. Okay. And the pure uh, aim to do that was to sort of test the market. Okay. So and a six month pop up. Six month pop up. It was great. Uh, we got some very very uh, positive feedback. People who walked into the store loved the product. They bought the product. How was it marketed? Like I know you have a marketing background. I mean, we was it just uh, open up the doors and hope things work. Or we we had a PR company on board. Okay. So we did a launch event. We uh, we got a lot of local press. The New York Times carried us. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was great because uh, you know I really that's when I realized the the reach and the credibility of the New York Times because the minute that article came out <laughs> our, our store was full for the next two weeks. Wow! wow. So just wow. people coming because of that article. So and I know there's been New York Times articles, there's been Forbes articles, there's been there's Vogue, the Vogue articles, articles, there's a lot of lot of the other uh, you know local um, yeah online fashion forget, publications, online, online publications. About you. Right. So so I know we got a lot of buzz at that time. Mm-hmm. And and I think what helped at that time also was because we had these international, uh, f- uh, really really big names wearing us like a Kate Middleton, uh, you know. So that really had a rub off effect as well because uh, that's when uh, the local media got excited, you know, that this mm-hmm. is a designer that Kate Middleton uh, endorses. So you know, are you only selling female products there, or is it both? Male so the pop up was only female products. Okay. Uh, it was only women products, and, and that uh, was strictly grass grassroots. Strictly grassroots. Mm-hmm. So we had a good experience, uh, but then uh, the reason we didn't extend that store and, and shut it down was because we found this beautiful location on West Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, and then we decided that you know instead of opening a separate store for the couture line, let's consolidate it and open one large flagship store because you know we're a new brand in the in the city. We don't want to confuse our consumer by opening an Anita Dongri Couture and Anita Dongri Grassroot and people wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. So we said, let's open one consolidated store, uh, you know, uh, so we can benefit from 
targeting both the consumer bases and then we can we can benefit by a lot of cross selling in the store you know so when the south asian consumer comes to us to buy the bridal wear they will mm-hmm. also be exposed to grassroots mm-hmm. and when the um, and then when the general when the general uh, american consumer comes in to buy grassroots they will also be exposed to uh, the bridal wear and today with so many of these intercultural marriages happening and and you know indian indians getting uh, married to uh, american asian americans uh, you know and this is whole huge cultural uh, fusion that's happening uh, mm-hmm. i think uh, today anyone can walk in and buy uh, uh, buy something from our bridal line as well you know because it's not and not wear it to a wedding actually yeah because we we also doing a lot of uh, we do a lot of gowns so you could buy something for a cocktail party or you could buy something for a red carpet event and we are going to slowly introduce a lot more contemporary um, couture pieces so that it appeals to a much wider base than just the indian americans or the south asians is the south asian american sort of the target here or are you just saying we're kind of is there a plan in place to go south asian and american at the same time or I think that's the plan. So you know, obviously, for the for the Anita Donny Couture, at least for the near future, the South Asians will be the uh, the big market for us. Sure, absolutely, the wedding market. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's obviously our core clientele. Right. And for grassroots, it's again a very um, uh, it's obviously a much more wider base. Sure. But it's again, uh, I would say that twenty eight to forty uh, five year old. But that doesn't mean we have uh, older women also shopping with us. We have women who are in their late 50s and their 60s who are shopping with us at <coughs> Boom Street and loving the product you know mm. where so, do and and global desi fit into this and in global desi um our brands we are not yet uh, introducing to the US mm-hmm. um simply because uh, we're just taking it slow we just don't our place to full right now you know and and Absolutely. and as a and as a brand that you know it's if it comes into the US it's going to be competing with a thousand other brands you know sure. it's a western wear brand right so we want to bring something that's unique to this market mm-hmm. and that's unique uh, and that has a sense of indianness to it so, so global desi is a brand that could do extremely well in the US mm-hmm. and we already sell global desi online in the US uh, we hope to eventually have a store and and have a much larger presence but we're taking it slow and steady you know we don't want to get too aggressive and then burn our fingers somewhere Who are some of your uh, favorite fashion designers out there? Who do you wear? What do you, what brands do you wear personally? Um so uh, personally, I mean I I'm I think I consider myself a shopaholic. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah. Uh, we, I, we we consume, I mean daily. So we're we're in that boat as well. So today I could be uh, wearing uh, you know like I I'll buy I I love this brand Page for denim. Okay. I think they make this these amazing comfortable denims. I could be otherwise I could be wearing a sweater that's from Uniqlo. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, so it's today you're everyone's dressing it's so mixed you could be wearing like a, a Rolex watch or expensive pair of shoes but a pair of denims and a and a sweater from like Uniqlo or Zara or H&M you know sounds so, exactly like my outfit today. <laughs> <laughs> so I could shop anywhere from you know I I love designers like Vivian Westwood uh, which which charge like $1000 for a shirt and i'm more than happy to even enter a zara or an h&m and pick up a shirt or a polo so for me i'm not someone who will only shop something that's over a certain price point Understood. i'm very flexible i mean you know I, i'll buy something for 10 dollars i'll buy something for 1000 dollars as long as it's it's me and it and i feel uh, comfortable wearing it you mentioned that you do so, a lot of traveling as well um what are some of your favorite cities to hit um so uh you know so before i discovered new york i've always uh, loved london So growing up uh, we used to spend a lot of summers in London 
But I must say, once I discovered New York, I would choose New York <laughs> any day over London. Interesting. We we had another guest in, a few uh, weeks ago, and they we were saying how there's such a comparison to New York and London, and I believe London is actually more culturally forward when it comes to music and fashion compared to New York. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um, fashion. I think. I think. I don't know if they're forward. Uh, when it comes to fashion, in, in what sense you're, uh, you made that statement, but definitely... I also uh, have no fashion sense. <laughs> but definitely, uh, the, the uh, people in London uh, will put in a lot more effort to dress up, right? even if they're going to their office, exactly. uh, than, than the New Yorker. Definitely. But I, pre- that, I prefer the casual style much right. better than... Uh, because in London, you'll obviously see everyone suited up, or they'll be, they'll be dressed like head to toe, they'll be really... Uh, you know, they'll either be wearing a suit, or they'll be in a fancy trench coat, or pair of trousers or fancy shoes but in New York people are more relaxed with except unless obviously corporate America is, is always dressed up in suit and tie but otherwise sure. if you just if you're a general New Yorker I think their dressing sense is way more relaxed and chilled out and I think I prefer that than uh, than the more uh, fancy uh, you seem overall chilled out <laughs> but now you're about to open up shop in New York where it's very competitive and very cutthroat and to my understanding while the family remains in India, you are the one that's sort of spearheading this U.S. That's correct. movement. Um, tell me a little bit about the challenges that you face with that. I mean, you're young. So uh, I, you're here yeah. as a, just fresh to this country, fresh to the city. Are there challenges that have come along or obstacles that you faced in, in blowing Definitely. this thing out? Definitely. So one of the reasons I took this up is because, you know, in India, uh, the company at a stage where uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a well-oiled machine, you know, things are... In place, people are. We have we have a senior management in place. Things are running smoothly. So I felt there wasn't much I could take on that's new mm-hmm. uh, within that environment. So, and this opportunity came up, and I said this is perfect. So I jumped at it because it's, I said this is something that uh, it, it's 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 something that I can really put my entrepreneurial side to test, and I can. Uh, and it's my baby, and I'm I'm responsible for everything. Mm. And uh, so, when it wins, you win. But if it, it wins, goes, I win. If it goes down, it goes down. I take full responsibility for it, and I think it's important. So that's a big challenge to in these foundation of. years to to be thrown at the deep end <laughs> because that's when you learn how to swim, right? I mean, and yeah. that's I feel the kind of experience I'm getting now is uh, is 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 a lot more valuable than what I would do be uh, what I would be getting in Mumbai right now. Uh, you know, so. So it's been great. It's obviously there've been a lot of challenges, a lot of road bumps, uh, you know, because um, the 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 culture here, the work culture, the systems, the processes are very different from what we're used to in Mumbai. In mm-hmm. Mumbai, is it true that if you need a permit, you could always find someone to pay to get that permit? <laughs> is that a true? So, is that true? So I'm not admitting to anything, but you you, <laughs> you know you know how it is, <laughs> right? But so the what you call it as a jugard way. Jugard, exactly. <laughs> desi jugard. So what do we call it, Juicy? Desi jugard. And what do we call it? Over here, we call it the Babu life. Yeah, we call it the Babu life. <laughs> so, so you think I'm way more straight up, you know, uh, right from uh, getting your permits. There's always to a way. <laughs> yeah, there's always a way in the states yeah. too. It's about who you know and how you how you figure it out as well, and how fast you move. Relationships but. are everything. So um, obviously, you know how you deal with your employees, mm-hmm. how you hire, the hiring process. Your, oh. oh, so you had you to know, learn all that. Uh, yeah, and then uh, everything from having a uh, you know the way you draft your agreements to the to the to the way you negotiate your leases on on your properties to the way you import talk your shipments. You know, there's so many little little things that uh, talk about it that you just learn on the job. No one can teach you that. Yeah. You know, so I'm I learning think by th- doing. this past one year, I've learned a lot. We made our, our share of mistakes, 
and which is good to make mistakes because then you come out of it much smarter and and uh, mistakes just just will continually happen it's just about happen. not repeating yeah, those, yeah. Right? you know you make mistakes you you lose some money uh, it's not like the the store we opened last year made money for us we did lose money because uh, uh 6 months is a very short period to uh, you know mm. to to I'm even gonna, break even yeah i'm just going to pause you for a second on that and for the listener and you know we we try to tell the stories of of entrepreneurs and now we see this big brand with hundreds of stores and yeah. just you know very famous people wearing it and you guys are super profitable in India but then when you come here it's starting over again it's literally hitting the yeah. restart button not having many connections exactly. and, and really building something from scratch and you know for the for the listeners that listen you know one thing that we we like to tell is the stories of people who are really working hard to make it uh who don't take anything for granted and who continue to push the envelope and break ground with everything they do and and from what i'm seeing at at such a young age uh coming from where you come from you could have easily just said i'm cool i'll i'll live in this nice flat in mumbai and and be good over here and just work the family business but that seems like that wasn't that wasn't what you wanted it it was to come here and challenge exactly. yourself because i was someone who always wanted to uh build my own uh, build my own name on my own uh merits you know i didn't always want to be known as uh, um anita dongre's son for example you know i wanted to be known as yash dongre one day so i think uh, uh, these steps of branching out on my own and 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 taking on something and and seeing it through to the end and making a success out of it is what will help me earn that respect and and that name you know i think also very important when you come from a big like you said you know it was a big business in india setting up in the us you can't come with that attitude Like, right. you know, I run a big business in India, no. so I'm going to ma- wave a magic wand, and it's going to be the same <laughs> way in the US. So US, we literally started from scratch. You know, uh, you got to be extremely humble. You can't throw any weight around uh, because no one knows who you are over here, and know, no one cares in the US. No, no one cares, cares in the US, exactly. Yeah. So right from dealing with anyone in the US, whether it's a vendor, whether it's a contractor, whether it's uh, you know, you can't. You have to be very humble, and you have to. And I think that's the way you get the work out. You can't be sitting on your high horse and uh, and, and commanding. Yeah, and, uh, uh, but I think that attitude. is instilled in you from beginning from what it seems like i mean we know india pretty well and going there so much and having family it's a lot of throwing your weight around or mm. waving yeah. the magic wand or paying that guy off but it seems like your family never did that they didn't ever take the elevator it looks like they took the stairs the whole way through that's true and they're continuing to take the stairs and that's you're true. here you're not even at the stairs yet you're underground still right and you're mm. you're that's on true. the way up you're not even at the ground level yet right exactly i'm like i'm i'm just about surfacing <laughs> right. getting my <laughs> getting right. my bearings your yeah. head's just barely above water right and now. i'm doing stuff that i would otherwise never do in india you know in india i would make a phone call the thing would get done you're right. actually like you know going to a warehouse facility in jersey <laughs> renting it out making sure my trucks come on time coordinating with truckers uh, coordinating with contractors negotiating with contractors going to the site myself so so what's your average day right now you're pre-opening right now we're opening in a few weeks but what's the average day of yash dongra dongra right now So today, literally, I uh, I'm well, not today because you're hanging out with us. Usually, you don't hang but out. But usually, right? like this, this whole cu- past couple of weeks, and uh-huh. I think the next couple of weeks, uh, the way my days have been structured is I literally I'm I'm up by about seven okay. a.m. and the minute I'm up, I'm on phone on on, on a phone call because uh, I don't even get time for breakfast because that's when in the India office is still op- open, right? Seven p.m. over there. Uh, it's about when it's seven a.m. It's about like five p.m. over there. Okay. So um, you know, I'm on I'm on calls with my marketing team with operations. do that for a couple of hours uh then i try and squeeze in a workout in the morning because i always like to start my day with with exercise 
So I'll squeeze in a one-hour workout. Gem. Uh, That's a gem. Ju- juicy. From 9 to 10 a.m. Hold on. You work out every morning? Every morning, yeah. <laughs> we have to take note of that. We're going to start yeah, we to gotta, do that. we got to get that into our Maybe rotation. We'll, we'll have thousands of employees too if we can <laughs> and, do that. Uh, <laughs> and then I... Uh, and, and once I'm done, once Bombay closes... I start my day in New York. So in New York, too. Wow. And then, okay. so right now I'm, uh, I'm hiring my team. So okay. I'm literally interviewing about four to five people every day. So you're physically, personally hiring the retail team. Here. Exactly. Because I'm the only one here. Who else is going to do it, right? And <laughs> so you're not just going to be the boss that sits in your apartment and calls shots. You're going to be in the store. I'll be in the store. I'm Are you on the, the sales uh, team or just I mean, I'm, I'm doing everything in the store. So I'll be on the sales floor. Okay. I'll be in the office downstairs. I'll be okay. uh, doing the operations bit. I'll, so I'm, some, I'm literally like, in, I'm involved in... All aspects of the Tru- business. Truly, this business is grassroots. It's a grass. It's grassroots. But the, the most important function of the business is always the sales for the customer. So the mm. best learning that you can ever get is if you're in this business and you know anyone out there who's in retail or aspires to be in retail, I think I would recommend you always start on the on the store floor mm-hmm. because that's where you get the real exposure and that's where you because it's all about knowing your customer in this business the minute right. you know what the customer wants mm-hmm. you can ace this business and that's and that's only comes with uh, spending hours and hours on the shop floor right and actually selling the product and, and being a part of that whole exercise so juicy and i run our own business tj usa and through that we've opened multiple businesses but uh we always say that you know as as our titles whether you call it ceo or president we wear many hats so today we'll go DJ a party, but tomorrow we'll go clean the warehouse or take out the garbage or deal with the workman's comp people or go to the accountant's office. Do you feel that you are doing those things currently? I mean, exactly like, that. You know, so I've never been involved, for example, in, uh, in, 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 in managing transportation or managing a shipment. Right. So today, this time, I had to receive a shipment from India and right. something went wrong and uh, the agents on ground weren't as efficient as we thought they were. So I was literally... Sure getting into uh, how the port works in, 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 in New York City and how and, and you know and how you get charged demerage fees if your container's lying at the port for longer than it's supposed to and then how sure. do you get how do you deal with the truckers in New York City, you know, what do you pay them? And I was literally getting to all these things that I would normally never do back home, right? But over here because I'm doing pretty much A to Z. I, I get involved even right from the smallest things to obviously the more important and larger things. It seems like your plate is pretty full. Uh, and, Very full. <laughs> and uh, I'm curious to know, how do you find the balance between your personal life with your family and, and work? Is, is, is one outweighs something right now? I'm, I'm, it sounds that way, that work is kind of... Uh, trumping that. I'll be very honest. So I think this is actually the first uh, time in my life I've ever been so busy. Because like <laughs> I said, I've always always been in Mumbai. And in mm-hmm. Mumbai, even though you you are busy, you just have a lot of people doing everything for you. You mm-hmm. know, So it's not like you get involved in the nitty-gritties of things. Sure. So, but this is the first time I've got involved in, uh, in really the nitty-gritties. And, and, and that's very time-consuming. So you know it's been it's been a couple of months and uh, and uh, I you know my my family keeps visiting my mom's here every couple of months I go back to Mumbai every couple of months so I I I I can I manage balancing it out you know I get okay. enough time at home and I get enough time here interesting I think you'll do just fine man you, it seems like you got a great head on your shoulders and it seems like you got you're on the right path you do have the great support team in India and, and just for the record as we say on the butter chicken podcast uh we we are what we call ourselves as ABCDs. We are <laughs> American-born certified desis. <laughs> and what we I'm mean, glad you said not confused. Absolutely <laughs> not. I'm, I'm very true to my culture, and, and I'm, I'm very in tune with everything back home. Um, and with that, uh, what, what we aim to do is tell the stories of um, 
successful people and how they got there. The other thing about us and, and what we like to do is embrace um, people, of all people, all cultures. It doesn't matter where you're from, what religion you are, whatever it may be. But there's something that always ties us back home to our own Desi people and our Desi community and our Desi culture. And it's actually amazing to see someone coming from back home over here, doesn't need to be here, decided to do it. And for that, I have nothing but admiration and respect for you. And as the guys who are the ABCDs here, when we, ABCDs here in this country, in the city, when we say certified Daisy, we mean certified Daisy. And what that means is pick up the phone and call us whenever you need anything in our Absolutely. city and in our town. Because while you just got here, you've got a whole crew now of people that you could rely on and count on when it comes to the opening of the store, when it comes to doing anything in the store, when it comes to anything related to helping you promote your brand and get, get your brand in 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 the eyes of more people or in the hands of more people that's what that's what we're all about is building community thank you so much guys that's yeah. that's, that's very sweet of you guys and i really appreciate it definitely man Anytime nothing sweet here pleasure. <laughs> butter chicken is but nice <laughs> and savory <laughs> and we can do with all the help that uh, we can get so yeah so, so real real quick just why don't we tell the listeners the full name of the store uh all your social media handles and um the address as well so the store is uh, the Anita Dongre store. Uh, is that it? The Anita Dongre store? Anita Dongre. Okay. So you can follow us on Instagram at, uh, at Anita Dongre or at Anita Dongre Grassroots. Mm-hmm. Um, we're uh, located on 473 West Broadway. That sounds expensive. This is on the corner of West Broadway and West Houston. Wow. That sounds very in, in expensive. In the fashionable district of Soho. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That, that's so, a great place to start. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Soho. I think when when I came to New York to uh, to to sort of survey places, uh, I fell in love with Soho. I said, if you it, open a store, it has to be Soho. It has its own charm. Because I feel like the, you know Madison Avenue, Fifth Avenue is now losing its uh, it's done its charm. Not I done, mean, but it's different. I think downtown is where the scene is. And Absolutely. The action, so. <laughs> so please do visit the store and uh, and please support us and. Uh, and 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 we look forward to serving you and 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 making you guys and and now we do ha- we do have a collection for men as well. So oh, plug the store will also talk have, to us about uh, that. Is that grassroots or is that and that's the Anita Dongre Couture line? So oh, so we, only couture stuff. So we do a lot of cool, um, you know, like these Chinese collar shirts, a lot of band galas, uh, a lot of uh, waistcoats, a lot of uh, that's all juicy style. I, I can't uh, touch any of that. Very nice linen pants. Uh, we do some nice footwear. So, so nice. Footwear. we have we have something for the my, men. My eyes just a footwear. <laughs> footwear is his list. Sneakers? Not sneakers, unfortunately. <laughs> but we can do a line of Anita Dongri sneakers. <laughs> Maybe we can help you with that, especially exactly. when it comes to rolling out, rolling it out. Man, Yash, it's been great having you. Uh, anything Thank you, you so want to close with for the for the listeners and for the youth out there? A lot of youth listens to us. A lot of startups. A lot of guys young in fashion, music, uh, just in general in the culture. Anything word of advice you can give to the young listener before we close out? I think uh, all I can say is uh, you know from what I've learned from my experiences that uh, you know you should just jump into the deep end. You know don't uh, don't hold back. Uh, you know if you're passionate doing something, don't. Don't doubt yourself that, you know, what if I don't succeed? What if I, what if it doesn't pay my bills? I think unless and until you don't jump into the deep end and, and, and start actually attempting to do it, uh, you really wouldn't know how it'll end up. And 99% of the time, it'll always end up well and you will succeed. So just, just follow your passion, follow your heart, and, uh, and that's it. <laughs> Salute. James. Wise words, wise words from my brother from Bombay, not Mumbai. <laughs> from Bombay. Bombay. <laughs> From Bombay to West Broadway. 
I like it. that from Bombay to West Broadway. Uh, to it. Yeah. <laughs> we can make maybe a little T-shirt with that. But uh, our brother Yash Dongre from Mumbai over here in New York City, we applaud you. We salute you. Thank you so much for coming Thank out. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Appreciate this it. is DJ Sharad with my man DJ Juicy, and we are the Butter Chicken Podcast. Follow us on all social platforms, Juicy. Hit them with that, please. At the Butter Chicken Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you like us. Make sure to just stay tuned every week. We're going to be releasing these episodes that have a lot of great people on us and sharing their stories. So Make sure you leave your comments. Make sure you leave your feedback. And follow us too, man. We got our own personal yeah. grams, bro. Yeah, at DJ Juicy on Instagram. At DJ Sharad. S-H-A-R-A-D. Follow us. Yash, you got a personal Instagram? I do. It's uh, Dongre Yash. So that's D O N G R E Y S. Start that over, start that over, guys. So it's my last name and my first name, D O N G R E Dongre Y A S H Yash. Yes, sir. Butter Chicken, baby. On Instagram. Butter Chicken. We see you soon. Good night. Thank you, guys. Thank you.